Well, good morning, Northland. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Some of you may not know me. My name is Pastor Vince Taylor. I'm one of the governing elders here. I also pastor a ministry known as Majestic Marriage and Family Ministries, and I'm so happy that you are there today. I want you to know one thing about me from the onset. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Is that right? Now, I am the pastor who welcomes your amens. I am the pastor who welcomes your hand claps. I am the pastor who welcomes you standing up in the aisle and shaking like this, whatever it is, because when I know my God can heal somebody like my good friend Dorothy, there is something that we can praise God about. You just don't know what God is doing. And if I were to tell you the story, I wouldn't have enough time, but you can talk to that beautiful lady as she sits right there in front of my eyes. So I just say, thank you, Jesus, for what he is going to do this day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so let me get set here for this morning for you. So the first thing I want to do, though, is I want to begin by praying. So join me in this prayer. Father God, thank you for the mercy of another day. Thank you, Lord, for health and strength and for your long-suffering toward us. Thank you, Father, for not rewarding us according to our sins, but according to your mercy and grace. Do us because of the acceptance of the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do this day, for the ears that will hear, for the hearts that we'll receive, and for the minds that will be transformed as we go through your word. And right now, Lord, I pray that you see me decreasing so that you might increase and that you might receive all the praise and all the glory for everything that is done this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So now, 
We're going to stand and we're going to read this scripture together as we get started. So you know it's our custom for everyone to stand and we're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Are you ready? Everybody read with me. I'm going to get started and then I want to hear you. So I'll probably stop and just listen in so that I can hear you, okay? All right, here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Amen. Great job. You may be seated. Now, I also want to take this opportunity to just as uh, we've had earlier, congratulate the graduates, but I want to expand the list just a little bit because we certainly celebrate our high school graduates, but there's some other people graduating too. We're going to celebrate them too. So I want to celebrate and congratulate all the graduates who are preschoolers, kindergartners, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, those of us who are graduating from being citizens to senior citizens, everything. We're going to congratulate everybody this morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you already gave them a round of applause, so that's very much appreciated. So, all life goes through transition. All life. Adam and Eve made a transition from sinlessness to sinfulness by eating from the tree that was in the garden, in the center of the garden. A sinless condition. A sinless condition would be beautiful, wouldn't it? To not have to worry about that. Wouldn't it be just absolutely fantastic if sin had never entered the world? Now, please know and recognize that Jesus has covered the sins of all believers. That is an inerrant truth. That means there's no denying that. That is truth. But sometimes we operate sinfully by the choices we make in regards to the violations of God's law and the desires he has for our life. Such was the case in the story found in Genesis chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, turn with me there to Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 9. Transitions. Transitions. We transition a lot of ways, don't we? We even transition from this to this. Think about that, right? Many of us never knew we would ever get to a point that we'd be looking like Captain Kirk and reading the Bible, right? You know, it's Megacon weekend. I'm familiar. I know some of your kids out there right now at Megacon down at the, at the arena, whatever it is down there, you know, Orange County Convention Center. All right, you ready? You got it? Genesis chapter 9. Sorry, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. 
And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with this top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see it. You see, God is interested in what you are doing. And the Lord came down to see it, to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, now pay attention to this. Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And this is very important. In that condition, one people, one language, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. But then God says, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, I like to call it Babel because I kind of visualize in my mind people just babbling all around, not knowing what's going on. You know, you ever heard somebody talking to you and they're just babbling and you have no idea what they're saying, really? Even if they're speaking your language, they can just babble, right? Put up this, uh, the first slide for us, this map. I wanna show you some of the tools that are available to help us when we think about this period in history. This is the Table of Nations. It is something that I have used for many years. It literally takes the sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and it designates their lineage from the time of Noah all the way through a long period of time so that we literally can know those people. For example, Ham was the father of 40 nations. Did you know that? He had more nations than anyone. So the question is, what caused the separation of people? You can take the map down now. It was sin that caused the separation of people. It was arrogance. It was haughtiness against God. See, God has never had a problem with men working to do his will. But Satan knows the power that we have working together, doing the will of God, and he detests it. It irritates him to no end. Satan's job is exactly this, as is stated in John chapter 10, verse 10. The key thief comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his job. So why do we expect something different as an outcome when Satan has his hand in it? So Satan is determined to kill, 
steal and destroy the unity that God wanted for his people from the beginning of creation. As such, he caused division in the very place that God never wanted it to be. The saddest place this division occurs is the 11 o'clock Sunday morning hour in the church. And let that sink in for a second. Where God wants his people to be of one mind. But we all retreat to our respective corners because they have a comfort level there. I, I remember when I came to Northland over 10 years ago now, my wife and I were sitting right over here. As a matter of fact, probably right there where my lovely wife of 42 years is sitting right now. Y'all can applaud that, 42 years. Isn't that amazing? Now here's the real good thing. She says it's been 15 of the best years of her life. Right? Amen. And those are my two youngest children who are there with her as well. But I remember sitting over there. Now I gotta give you a little bit of my background so that you understand how this statement I'm about to make to you came into being. I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. In North St. Louis, by the way, which is a predominantly black section of town. So I went to an all black grade school, an all black middle school, an all black high school, and an all black college, an HBCU, Go Albany State, Golden Rams. Amen, that's right. Now, so I really did not have a lot of interaction with a lot of different people that did not look like me. And on top of that, I went to all black churches all my life. So imagine how I felt when the Lord released me from another congregation and brought me to Northland. And he set me right there. And yeah, I'm just like you. I began to wonder and I began to ask God every week. I would be right there. I would ask God, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here, Lord? Why? Week after week after week. And then one Sunday, it was dropped in my spirit. God said, Vince, you are here to learn how to deal with people who don't look like you. And not only that, you're also here to help people who don't look like you learn how to deal with people who look like you. So it was a learning and sharing process that the Lord was taking me through. Now, I want to thank Northland for receiving me and my, I really do. I want to thank you. You guys have welcomed us with open arms. It was far greater than I anticipated. You guys have been wonderful and I want to thank you for that so very, very much. Hmm. But there's an issue we have to deal with. 
You see, people want to elevate their place of worship over other places of worship. They'll say things like, I go to Northland, or I go to Pleasant Green, or I go to First Baptist Atlanta, or Willow Creek, or Lakewood Church in Houston, or the Potter's House of Dallas. This idea that one church is superior because of this or that is wrong. Amen. I welcome those amens. If the building is open in Jesus' name and is seeking the face of God from the pulpit to the pews, it is beneficial and edifying to the kingdom of God. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not. And I'm sure he's not a respecter of churches. He shared that with us in the book of Revelation. Jesus loves the church. Now, let's be clear here so that we have no misunderstanding whatsoever. There is no white church, no black church, no European church, no Asian church, no Latin church. If it is called anything, it should be called the church. Jesus did not come to save a black, white, Asian, Pentecostal, Methodist, Catholic, Greek, Holiness, AME, Cogic, Messianic, Reformed, Conservative, Denominational or Non-Denominational Church. Jesus came and died and was resurrected to redeem those people that have called upon him as Savior and we are called the church. Oddly enough, he actually came for Israel, but they rejected him. And we are all the benefactors of that. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. So Jesus came for the church wherever we are. We, his church, is so precious to him that he labels us his bride. And let me tell you, there is no one on this earth as precious to me as my bride. He did not come to separate us into our own comfortable subgroups. He came for all of the church. For God is not willing that any should perish as we find in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The division that we are in as a people has to stop. We are going, and you know what? That is something to clap about. The division that we find ourselves in has to stop. We are people of God. We can do better. We can love harder. And I can also get back on message. I just, just, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, how, since God is not willing 
that any should perish as we found in 2 Peter 3, 9. How are we going to make disciples if we stay in our own cocoon and only engage with those who look, think, and respond just like us? The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And if any of you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Saints of God, we have got to transition beyond this sin that has continued to deceive many of us since the fall in the garden. Jesus wants something better for us. He wants to transition, he wants us to transition so we can have life more abundantly as found in John 10, 10. Abraham obeyed God. He left his home in Ur from a people that looked like him. He went, to a mon he went from a mono-ethnic group in Ur to a multi-ethnic group in Canaan. He transitioned. The children of Israel transitioned from slavery in Egypt to freedom and the land that God had promised to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, like them, must transition also. Today, I want to deal with three points as it relates to transitioning from a mono-ethnic people to a multi-ethnic church. And you may ask, why? I'm comfortable in my own little environment. Let me say that again because I kind of got tongue-tied. I'm comfortable in my own little environment. It's fuzzy and warm in here. Everybody looks, thinks, and feels the same way about everything, just like I do. I've got news for you today. God wants you to know that the church is bigger than any isolated environment you may find yourself in. In order to get there, we have to cleanse ourselves and we have to clean ourselves up. And this requires that we cleanse ourselves from all sinful entrapments and present something new. <coughs> First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have what? And behold, all things what? That's right. We are also told in Romans, the 12th chapter, to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. So today, we're going to deal with three points as it relates to transitioning beyond division in the church. Number one, the cause of sin. I'm sorry, the cause of division. Number two, division maintenance. And number three, healing division. 
The cause of division is all around us. This is number one. Just look around and you will see it everywhere. Remember our story in Genesis 11? How the people were all of one and there was nothing that they could not do because of that? But they decided they wanted to make themselves bigger than God. There's a Hebrew axiom that says that the reason they were building the tower so high is they had determined they were going to build that tower so high that if God decided to flood the earth again, they would still be safe because they would be above it. Imagine the arrogance of that. Think about that for a second. So, do you think God would have responded the same way if the people had said they were going to build something to honor God? Do you think he would have separated them? No. Instead, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They were arrogant and repugnant before God. And God had nothing to do with their efforts. And remember, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. That's straight out of Psalms 127 verse 1. They were laboring in vain. So the fundamental cause of this poison that causes division and retreat to our own corners at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning is plain and simple. It is sin. S-I-N, sin. From that separation of people at the Tower of Babel comes or came what is now referred to as different ethnic groups. So I got another part of that map we had up earlier that we're going to put up now. This is a really good map because I told you about Shem, Ham, and Japheth earlier. This is where they were sent to or they migrated to when they were separated because of the Tower of Babel. The Japhetic people came westward across the ocean, North America, Australia, and down that way. The Semitic people went up toward Europe and Asia this way. And the Hermetic people came across the Middle East and, and went down into Africa and the Arab areas. That is where the migration took place. And so now we use that as a separation point. How silly is that? I mean, how silly is this? We separate ourselves over a piece of paper. We wonder why is somebody wearing this? Instead of asking, how are you doing today? Instead of asking, is there something I can help you with? Instead of asking, what are you reading in the word of God? How is God blessing your life? This is ridiculous, folks. We've got to grow beyond this. And we've got to be concerned about the people of God, the way that God intended us to be from the beginning of creation. Hmm. So, perhaps when they were all transitioning from that Tower of Babel, 
as a result of sin, perhaps God was telling them, you need to change. See, transition equals change. We must change. And if we are going to follow Jesus, we have to change. The word of God tells us in a moment, when I die in the twinkling of an eye, everybody just bat your eye real quick. Just like that, you are going to be changed. The operative issue is that we have the ability to determine what we are going to be changed into. We can change into someone horrid, disruptive, divisive, arrogant, and self-centered. Or we can change into something beautiful, giving, caring, collaborative, peace-seeking, and good. We can be that creation that God saw was good and that when working together, nothing could stop them. But we must transition. Here's an example for you as we continue to talk about the cause of division. You see, even the children of Israel had this challenge. If you have your Bible, whichever version or whichever type you choose to use, turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 12, and we'll start at the beginning. And let's work through this together. Now, put the picture up for us. This is a well-known picture by Jacob Jardines, circa 1650. This is a picture of his depiction of Moses and his Ethiopian wife. Now, some of you are seeing this for the first time, and some of you have never known that this particular event was in scripture, but let's get an understanding of the significance of this together. Numbers 12. Let's hear what God has to say about this. Verse one. Then Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. Now, it's very important that I point something out as we read this. Whenever God says something twice in a very short period of time, he is doing it for emphasis. He does not want this to be mistaken. You can find that everywhere when you read in scripture. So let's, let's start again. Then Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now some of your Bibles may say Cush. It's all the same thing. There is no difference there. So they said, now listen to this, listen to the, listen to this. Are you listening? If you're listening, say amen. amen. All right, okay. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Can't you kind of see them sticking their chest out? Hadn't the Lord spoke to us too? 
Think about that for a second. Huh. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said <laughs> to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out. Now, before has the Lord spoken to us also? They were lying. But guess what? Now God is calling them out. Can you imagine yourself being called out by God? Can you imagine God saying, James, Hector, Rebecca, Sarah, come out here for a minute. Let's have a conversation. It changes the whole dynamic of what's going on. Now, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar and of a cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and he called Aaron and Miriam forward. Now remember, these are the ones who said, doesn't the Lord speak to us also? Very, you know, just up there, man, the Lord not speak directly with God. Think about this. And they both went forward. Then he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them. And he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the sanctuary, suddenly Miriam became leprous. So Aaron said to Moses, wait a minute, Aaron, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you talking to Moses? Don't you talk to God? Why are you now talking to Moses? Because God had put things back in order. And we have to have order. So, Aaron turned toward Moses and said, Oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. Now, hear me very clearly on this. Remember, I've shared with you once already, there is nothing more important to me than my bride, my wife. So Moses, he could have gone Will Smith on him, if you know what I'm saying. So, some of y'all might understand that, you know, Will Smith. He could have gone Will Smith on him. 
But Moses interceded for his sister and God healed her. Why? Why would they dare come against God's anointed? They had to change. The apostle Peter had his challenges too. Yeah, I'm talking about the apostle Peter, the one who built that big cathedral over in Italy, in Rome. He had to change too in his zeal to impress and show his piety toward the people he thought were God's chosen people when he thought they were chosen of God and those people showed up. He had to change and he had to be called out on it. Let's read about that quickly in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And this is Paul talking to Peter. Yes, Peter, Cephas, who walked with Jesus. But when Peter came to Antioch, this is what Paul says about him. I had to oppose him face to his face for what he did was very wrong. It wasn't just wrong, it was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Note to the wise, People are watching you. If we're going to make a change in this world, it's going to have to start with you. Hmm. So, Peter went backward from being multi-ethnic when he was talking with all of God's people to being monoethnic because of peer pressure and sin. So be careful, graduates. Don't let that creep into your life. Again, the cause of division is sin. Point two, division maintenance. This is the work of Satan, pure and simple. Beelzebub the wicked one, whatever you want to call him. He is a thief and the father of lies. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. It says it clearly in John 10, 10. So what is it that the thief wants to divide? What is the church that God has assembled together? What is this gathering of saints going to look like? It's a good question. Perhaps it's going to look something like this.
believe the closest thing on earth we will see to the kingdom of heaven is the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. Listen to this from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, nine through 12. After this, I looked and behold, beheld a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and from all peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. Amen. This is what the enemy does not want. The enemy does not want us to have unity. The enemy does not want us to have peace. He does not want us to have harmony or a common goal. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you today what the kingdom of heaven will look like. Mm. They have all earned the right to be there. And they come with one focus, to win. In heaven, we are all winners. And we have the right to be there because of the shed blood of Jesus. And we will all have one focus. Together, we will worship the Lord our God. Amen. Say amen, somebody. Mm. So when it comes to God's people, we have to love them. We don't have a choice if we're going to be sincere in our love for God. So don't let the enemy steal, kill, or destroy our relationships because we may look different from each other. God tells us this in 1 John 4, 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, I would never call you a liar. That's just not a part of my character. But God said that if you're running around playing church, saying that you're saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, and I would go further for some of those other folks, but if you're running around playing church and you don't love your brother, God says you're a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen 
cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Yes, we do have a challenge. It is sin and we must deal with it. But fret not, for with God, all things are possible. Lastly, amen, amen, I'll take that. Lastly, if we come together to do his will, as was stated earlier in Genesis 11, nothing we propose to do will be impossible. Point three, how do we heal the division? The answer is simple, Jesus. Jesus, amen. We must allow Jesus to transform our way of thinking. We have to die to ourselves and open to the sovereignty of Almighty God. Again in Romans 12:2, it reads this way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may know, discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That takes a true love and a desire to follow Jesus. So you heal the division by becoming true followers of Jesus. So, as I look into this word, and even as I look around, what is God telling us? What is God trying to get us to understand? Well, this next video clip will help us. And then afterwards, I'm gonna share a statement my elder brother shared with me, and we'll go home. Run the clip.
Now, for some of you, that evokes memories from your childhood. I know, because it certainly did for me. But what I want to tell you about this is what God has shared with me through my brother. My oldest brother, Darnay, was one of the most studious people I know in the word of God. And before he transitioned his life to be with our heavenly father, he told me something that still resonates with me to this day. Now, we know God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. As a matter of fact, he said that very statement to a mixed race Samaritan woman sitting at the well. Hmm. So here's what I ask my brother. Remember the situation I came out of in my immaturity. I asked my brother, is God black or white? Hmm, it's an interesting question. And he responded out of wisdom, that's not the way it works. I can say this, this is what he said to me. As I look around at the beautiful sky, the light and dark colored clouds in the sky, the beautiful flowers, the green grasses, and the various complexion of God's creation. If God is telling me anything, he's telling me he is a God who loves people of all color. Amen. So I'm closing now. So here in Northland, I put the word out today. We don't care if you are white, black, Asian, Latin, mixed or whatever you are. We want you here. We want you here to help us build the kingdom because we are determined to transition behind that standardized 11 o'clock Sunday morning church. And we need you to do that because we want to be like the people of God that he put together when he created us and become more like the representatives of God's people. At some point in the future, Pastor Josh has told me, we're going to have some additional discussions that will help us understand each other better as we grow and transition into loving each other more. But starting today, don't let the enemy win any more. Start by loving God's people the way that he intended for us to love each other by doing his will and we will validate our love for Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I believe we can do that. Do you believe we can do that? If you believe we can do that, say amen. amen. Can we go beyond Satan's tricks that has us divided? If we can do that, say amen. amen. 
Amen. Stand on your feet and let's receive the benediction. Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. Pastor Joshua will be back in place next week. Exciting young man. So happy to have him here with us. So happy to have him here. Lift your hands to the Lord. Now, may the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go and be the people God has determined you should be. Amen.